Oh, ladies and gentlemen, it's your buddy Gavin, filibuster freestyle. We are back, second pod of the week. Reason we're doing two is we skipped a couple weeks and we have that much time to not do podcasts because we're busy or traveling or whatever. We get a lot of ideas, a lot of thoughts. And during that time, we were on a little bit of a break. NBA trade deadline happened. NBA All-Star Game is coming here to where I am, Charlotte, North Carolina. And we've had a lot of action on the Democratic nominee side for the 2020 presidential primaries, which means I got to bring in our buddy, our NBA expert, our Celtics expert, our Democratic candidate expert, Marky Sal. That's right, our buddy Marcos of Marky Sal Waldecor. He is coming up next after the theme song. Filibusterfreestyle.com is where you can find us on the World Wide Web. Theme song, Marky Sal, coming your way. Ladies and gents, as promised, All-Star Weekend, politics gone wild. We got to bring in our guy from Worcester, Mass., Marky Sal, Marky Sal Waldecor. What's up, my man? Hey, Gav, how you doing, buddy? Oh, can't complain. Can't complain one bit. And guess what? No one would care if I did. <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> as long as we can keep it real. Start off with some real talk. Um, so I'm not going to lie. I texted you the other day about the Celtics' lack of maneuvering at the trade deadline. That the Bucks tried to get better. Probably did. The Raptors tried to get better. I think definitely did. The Sixers tried to get better. Celtics stood pat, and the word out of Boston in the last week is that they're seeming to say that a healthier and healthier Gordon Hayward is essentially their their trade deadline acquisition. What's your take on standing pat and, and hoping that Hayward is the trade deadline acquisition? Well, I, I definitely think that that uh, I'm glad they didn't that it, they didn't make a move just to make a move, Correct. right? Correct. And I think that I think that you know a lot of your Boston fans are disappointed with the way that this season has started, obviously. And, and, you know, they, they want, they want changes because it's just like an easy thing to do. Okay. This wasn't working. Let's just change. And, you know, I would support it if I thought that there was a, you know, a good deal that came across. I I would definitely want to make it a deal, but I'm glad that, you know, if nothing presented itself, that they didn't force a deal, right. That they decided to, you know, try to keep, um, try to figure out how to make what they have work because there is a lot of talent there and yeah. maybe it does just take a little time to for like you said for um Hayward to come back and and, and for you know the team to kind of gel a little bit more so uh, I, I'm good with the way things went down um and you know I'm I'm, I'm optimistic I'm, I'm I'm glad we didn't force a force a trade it, I guess is my point yeah I'm fair with that I think that's a good take and I'm, I have no reason for me to even attempt to refute it I think my my thought process lies on a couple things I guess one is let's stay with the Celtics for a minute why does it seem like they have better chemistry when Kyrie is not playing in your opinion I was, I've been I've been wrestling with this the past two days after after those wins. I, I think what I think what it is is that um, Kyrie is the ultimate player that can bail out an offense when it's not going smoothly. Sure. Right. Yep. So 
So when 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 Kyrie's not not playing, then it's kind of like okay, after a, a couple of bad plays, guys, we got to figure this out. Okay, mm-hmm. that's not working. Let's try this. But when Kyrie's there, it's like oh, this isn't working. Just get it to Kyrie. He's gonna fix it. So <laughs> yeah. so I think that that's obviously an unhealthy way to play. However, I also think that you know. If we can get into the playoffs and that's our strategy maybe at the very end of games, you know, if you get us, if we get, stay close enough and Kyrie has to take over in the fourth quarter, yep. I'm, I think we could do some damage in the playoffs even with that strategy. Yeah, because actually, the, the, see, the playoffs is where, yeah, the buckets are harder to come by, right? Everybody's playing hard every night, every play. In the regular season, you can sometimes get away with really fun team basketball. But like you said, in the last four minutes of an NBA playoff game, you got to get somebody who can, quote, get buckets. And Kyrie, like you said, the ultimate get buckets out of nothing guy right now in this league. So I'm also befuddled. I just don't understand how they looked as good as they looked last year in the Eastern Conference Finals until the final game when they certainly could have used Kyrie. (laughs) To bail them out and yep. score any bucket at all possible in the fourth quarter. But then in the regular season here, it's almost like everybody understands their role better when Kyrie's not there. And it's just kind of like, I don't get why they can't figure it out yet. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I do. I do. And I think it's the combination of, you know, it's the perfect storm of, of the Hayward, re- Hayward recovery and, and the young guys figuring it out you know what I mean so like Tatum and Brown um, still trying to figure out how to play in the league so you you toss that into you know the whole the whole Kyrie thing and it, it's just I think it's if 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 it was one of those things it might be going a little smoother but I think there's you know multiple things that they're trying to figure out right now that's that's fair and I do I do think that they've got some time you know, to try and figure this thing out. You know what I mean? They got some time. If they, there seems to be four teams in the East that are about as good as, good as each other, and then there's kind of a clear break at five or maybe six, actually, right? So if they can be at least a top four seed, maybe even sneak back into the three seed, you know, they get the home, the home advantage series to kick off the first round of the playoffs, and if they can figure their crap out by then and have that game seven potentially be at home, you know, I, I think then they might not need the home court advantage because they do have that advantage of having a guy who can get buckets at the end. Anyway, still befuddled by the fact that when they have the most resources available to them, they seem to just not have enough minutes and enough shots to go around. Yeah, and the other the other thing to, to talk about with this is that, you know, you mentioned all the, all these moves that, that the other Eastern Conference teams made, but also I think that the NBA in general got better this year, yeah. you know, I think that I think that there are some teams, you know, who who you you know just came out of nowhere and started playing some really good basketball. Some players who came out of nowhere and started playing some really good basketball. So I think just as a whole, the NBA took a couple steps ahead. Um, and so even though Boston got somewhat better, a lot of teams got a, a lot, lot better, better in that yeah. time as well. I, I agree. I agree. Let me ask you this: What you want to get any any comments in on the on the much covered New Orleans Pelicans Anthony Davis situation in terms of the Lakers making a play for him? 
Danny Ainge trying to be like, hey, let's wait till July to talk. I mean, where, where do you think AD goes, and, 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 and what do you think, you know, what, what, what was your kind of takeaway from that whole saga? Okay, so so I think obviously I, I would love to get Anthony Davis. Um, I think that that I was disappointed in Anthony Davis's father's comment about about yes. not wanting his son to come. I I totally understand the sentiment, right? Like Isaiah Thomas went out and put on this very very you know just just unbelievable performance and he was going through all these issues with the system passing and then the Celtics just traded him so so I can see where uh, Anthony Davis' father like came with that sentiment at the same time it's kind of like well if that's the thinking anywhere in Anthony Davis's camp then I'm having trouble with the idea of trading Tatum for him yes. you know I think that, that's hard so so I, I don't know I think that you know there's one of the things that I don't like about the NBA right now is that, you know, I, I fully support the idea that players should be able to go and play where they want and do what they want. But all the drama that that that's tied to that is kind of like, it's kind of, I, I don't like that part of it, right? Mm-hmm. And so the fact that Anthony Davis, you know, kind of went and tried, tried to force this trade in the middle of the season, I think it's an unfortunate for the game. You know, I think those things kind of, I wish they would happen behind closed doors and, uh, you know, not spill over into into everything else. But, you know, that's just that's just the world, you know. So. I totally agree. I do think it's going to be a wild playoffs um, wild end of the season to see which teams get into the playoffs. I obviously think the Warriors, like the last four or five years, it's their title to lose. It's their title to give away, um, especially with just, I think a lot of teams are, just, like you said, got a lot better overnight, but I don't know that any of them can get to the level of the Warriors. But I'll be interested to see round by round how, how it goes. Um, because if the trade deadline is any bit as juicy as the playoffs or vice versa, It'll be damn interesting for sure. Right. So we got that going for us. Absolutely. So unless you got any more on the Celts, I mean, let's get into the Democratic primary early entry nominees because there's like at least like nine or ten of them that that either matter or kind of matter. I, I have okay. them alphabetically, but I'm probably going to read them off more in like the, the heavyweight category, in my opinion, versus kind of the, the lesser knowns. Um, but you said you've got a pro and con list going with these folks. Yeah, I will in my head. Yeah, yeah sure. Definitely. Well, that's, that's, that's even better. Coming out the dome with it. So why don't we start? Why don't we start with the great, the senator from the great state of New Jersey, Cory Booker? Um, and by, like, what are your thoughts on Cory Booker? Strengths, weaknesses related to getting the nomination and potentially winning the presidency? Yeah, it's, it's funny that you start with Cory Booker because. Cory Booker, I have the I have the most clear cut take about Cory Booker, right? And it's it's but it's kind of funny at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, Cory Booker, I think on paper, I think he looks like a great candidate. I think that he he, he you know he's 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 just he's good like he's inspiring the way he speaks is inspiring I think he has a you know great record and and everything about him would say this guy very well could be the nominee yeah. right the thing that kind of is weirds me out and I think was probably going to be tough for people is that like 
it's, it's, it's weird to say, but like his eyes are always super wide open and it creeps me out. And I, think that that, and I, and I honestly think that that's going to be, that's going to be tough. I think it's going to be an issue, but I'm, I'm dead serious. Well, you know, and I did, I laughed out loud. I laughed out loud, but, but I don't disagree that optics are huge. Um, that being said, the guy who's running the show right now couldn't be optically more ridiculous looking. It's just that we've gotten so used to him because he's been all over our lives for the last 30 years. You know what I mean? Right. Oh, yeah, for sure. And I'm just talking on literal optics of what, they, what he looks like, not even the crap that goes on at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. Right. Um, but Because we're, we're talking about Democrats. Okay, but that's a good take on Cory Booker. Yeah, I didn't have that secondary take on his eyes being wide open. <laughs> But I do agree that on paper slash in action, I think he's a strong candidate. Um, all right. Sticking, sticking in the New York metro, uh, Christine Gillibrand from, from New York, senator from New York. What are your thoughts on her, if any? I think that she – I think that she's um, – I think she's very qualified. I think that she would – I think she's a strong candidate. Um, but I think that when when it, when push comes to shove, is she going to be able to separate herself in such a wide field? I, I don't think so. I also think that um, there's a lot of people on the left who she's she, she's probably not far enough left for a lot of people. Uh, I'm not saying that I think that, that we're going to go with somebody totally left, like not not as far as like you know Bernie Sanders. Yeah. But I think that. I, I think that one of the one of the strikes against her would be um, you know how she came out against Al Franken, and um, I think that there you know I think that I think that's a strike against her in, in many people's eyes um, because I do think that you know there's there there was a slight rush to judgment there. Okay. Um, so anyway, I, I think that between the fact that I think that's a strike against her and I think that she's not going to be able to really separate herself from the big group, I, I don't think that she's going to go, you know, to the end. Gotcha, gotcha. Now, Kamala Harris, I, I think, incredibly strong candidate in my opinion. What are your thoughts? Number one choice, very strong candidate. I think her background as a prosecutor um, is going to be super helpful in like you know prosecuting Trump <laughs> yeah. um, I think that I think that she's from you know she's from California they moved up their primary this year yep. so winning California is going to be huge you know for uh, in the primaries um, I think that I think that it's, it's we're definitely like in a um, the, a good I think we're ready for a female president. Sure, yeah. And so, and so I think that's going to help her as well. Yeah, I do think that we, we are ready. I mean, again, just citing the popular vote results, more people voted for a female president last time around, populist-wise, than didn't, right? Um, well, actually, that's not true because more people didn't vote. <laughs> but of the people who voted, more people voted for a female presidential candidate than the Electoral College would let you believe. So I agree with the fact that we are ready for a female president, especially the right female president, um, which, you know, I think this this candidate offers a much fresher take on everything than obviously somebody kind of from the Clinton machine that we we all live with for 30 years. 
no, no bigger, no, no, no point to be made there other than I, sometimes I think, you know, your baggage can get you because people are just used to you being demonized and she's not going to present as much history as someone like Hillary will for, you know, Fox News to come after. She also wears, she wears her differences from, from Donald Trump on her sleeve and always has. To your point, she's a skilled prosecutor who probably can't wait to prosecute him. Um, so I, I agree that, you know, there's a lot of strength there. We'll see how she does. And I'm not saying that like in a weighted way at all. Um, but I do agree that if you take kind of Gillibrand and Booker and were to put their strength into a candidate, you probably have somebody of the gravitas of a Harris, right? Right. So help me with this pronunciation for the senator from Minnesota. Is it Amy Klobuchar? Klobuchar, sorry. Yeah, my bad. I just can't. I have a mental block on that one. I know nothing about her, including how to pronounce her last name. So what do you got for me there? I think that, um, I, I think that, that she just, she's going to fall into, uh, you know, I think that she's very qualified. I think that she's easily more qualified than, than Donald Trump is. Um, <laughs> sure. I think that, um, I, I think that there's a lot of things on, on paper that are very attractive about her. Um, I just think that, you know, she, she's, again, I just think she's going to have trouble, like, separating herself from the pack. I, I don't think that there's anything other than, you know, she's from, you know, the, the, the Midwest. Uh, I don't think that there's anything other than that, you know, and, like, the fact that she's, she's, she definitely falls closer to, to the left than the middle. Yep. That does help her. But I, I just don't think it's enough. I don't think it's enough. Like, she, like okay, so, for example, she, she's closer to the left than the middle, but she's not as far left as Elizabeth Warren. Correct. So, so what's, what's her lane to succeed? I just don't see it. Yeah, you really got to thread the needle there, which she may be able to do, but she'll have to do. She, I don't mean this as a slight to her, but remember how Dennis Kucinich just kept running and running and running for president and yep. never got any traction? I'm not saying that that's who she's going to be. I'm just saying that right now, from the outside looking in, she strikes me as that person most out of anybody. I think that, I think that yeah I think that her one thing would be if the country was like you know we have this this um, flashy showman as a president we want you know pretty much somebody who's the opposite of that yeah and and and, and maybe that would be somewhere where she where you know she would come up but I I don't see it I don't know if that's enough to just be the opposite of flashy right now you know I. I I, I honestly think that if you don't mind me jumping ahead, Please. I think that um, if it's if it's not Kamala Harris and it's not let's say like a Joe Biden, yeah, then I would say it is. Um, uh, man, now I have a, a mental block. Who's, who's the guy with the with the gravelly voice from Ohio? Oh, uh, Sherry Brown. Sherry Brown. Yeah, sure. Sherry Brown. Um, I think that he's an attractive candidate because. He's from Ohio, you know? Right, and which literally I, is the most indecisive state in the country. Right. Besides Florida. Say, Besides as, Florida. As, as goes Ohio, you know? So goes, goes the, the nation. Yeah, sure. And so, and so he comes off as like that person who could, you know, attract independence. He could attract, you know, um, 
and the, the Republicans who are the never Trumpers. Yeah. Um, he can, he can affect the, you know, the steel, attract like the steel workers and that kind of thing. Um, so, so I think, I, I think that if you were, if you were looking at, if your number one reason for supporting a, a candidate was somebody that you think could beat Donald Trump, I think that he would, he's right up there mm, with like, okay. like I said, with Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. Gotcha. Okay. Good hot take there. Now, Elizabeth Warren, I think Elizabeth Warren would be the easiest person for the Republicans to rally around or rally against. What do you think about my take there? I think that you are absolutely right. I think that you're absolutely right. And I think that, I think that, um, what the right has been very successful at is, um, and demonizing the word socialism. Yes. Right. Yes. It's like if you did if you did a, a poll and you asked people what they thought of socialism, you know, just just phrased only like that, it would it would come off as very unpopular. Correct. Right. Yeah. But on the flip side, if you were to take that you know those same people and you describe them some of the things that you know, were socialist ideas, if you will, then I think they'd be a lot more popular. So I think that she's probably already too defined in that way. Yeah, I just think they, and you're already seeing it, you know, we were, this this may segue into something else, but you're seeing these, these freshman Congress people, Congress women, you know, AOC being the prime target, the, the, the Republicans love to be able to throw shade at somebody because their only real success model is to demonize either a person or an idea that is antithetical to conservatism in their vortex. You know what I mean? Yep. And AOC, of course, she's too young to run for president and, and she needs to probably spend some time, you know, obviously working in the House of Representatives. But they're so afraid of somebody like her for so many reasons that we don't even need to get into right now because she's not one of the candidates. But she's getting linked to socialism as we speak because it's easy to make people afraid of socialism and it's easy to make people afraid of someone like AOC because she is absolutely a threat to, to the establishment on the GOP side and will be for quite some time, in my opinion. I agree. She, she, has, she just has that, like, the... Um the star power. She got it. Yeah, she just got it. When when Barack Obama came onto the scene, I think that, like, you know, it's impossible to not cover her. Yep. Um, But I also think that, you know, the the right kind of helped create that monster as well. Correct. Um, But, yeah, I think, I think, you know, she's, she has a, a very bright future. I think that if, if she doesn't, if she doesn't ever, you know, run for president or become president, she certainly is the heir apparent to that Bernie Sanders wing. Yeah, sure, sure. And 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 I think that you you always do kind of want somebody on that left side pushing those ideals because you need somebody to push left for that progress. And then, and then, you know, you kind of, you're okay meeting in the middle, but 
if if you know it's like negotiating, you got to start further out and then come back. Yeah, yeah. You need a charismatic left. Right, right. You need a charismatic hardliner on the left just as much as the right needs those on the right. Um, and then the way it used to be is that smarter or not smarter, but um, people were willing to be smart and negotiate. And now we don't do that anymore, but that's okay. That's a different thing, you know, but I agree that you, you need, if, if you, if you plan to be able to actually govern good ideas from the center in a measured way, you do need a strong, influential star power type voice with good progressive ideas that then, you know, the American public can kind of filter which ones they're ready for, you know? Well, well, yeah, and if it wasn't for her, you know, even like this whole, like, Green New Deal, I think that, I think that it's something that a lot of people were hungry for, but I don't think that it was giving, getting as much, you know, um, spotlight or conversation until she came along, and I think it was, you know, the, 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 the message needed a leader, and I think she picked it up, and, and I, because of her star, star power, I think that she's, she's definitely shining the spotlight on the issue that if it's not important to you, if that's not important to you right now, you know, the, then in five years, I do think it's going to be very important to all of us. So Yeah, for sure. I'm thankful for that. No, I agree. Um, all right, back to Elizabeth Warren really quickly. I just... And I'm not comparing her to Hillary Clinton because, again, I think they're completely different. But I just think, you know, they've got nicknames for her already. They've, you know, got some they've got ways to make Elizabeth Warren, you know, the general election about things that she put on her resume or things that she put on her, you know, you know, you know, the forms that you fill out for HR, if you will. Um Instead of her issues, and I think that's just that's just why. I mean, I think she's a smart lady. Academically, she should she shouldn't run, in my mind, because she, I don't think she can win a general election. I I, I agree with you one hundred percent. I think it's unfortunate because yeah. um, when when you think about these um, coal miners or you know people in West Virginia um, who who, you know, are having a tough time in this economy. They're being hit, you know, not, I wouldn't say the worst, but they're, getting, they're being hit pretty bad. Yeah. Um, if, if you were to really sit Donald Trump down to next to Elizabeth Warren and not only talked about, you know, what they cared about, what they'd be willing to do, what their ideas were to benefit these people, it would, she, she just, she, she wiped the floor with them. You know right. what I mean? Right. Um, and so I do think it's unfortunate, but at the same time, I think it's reality. I think that she's already uh, pigeonholed yeah. and um, I, I don't think she, she may make it, you know, to the end of the primaries cause she does have a, a certain star power, but I don't think that, you know, she will end up being a nominee. Yeah, I agree with that. All right, I've got a couple other names here that I know very little about. Actually, one more that, well, a couple more that I, I, do, I do know. So Julian Castro, former U.S. Secretary of Housing, out of Texas, I believe. Do you know much about him? Yeah, well, it, it, him and his, and his brother, uh, one, one was the mayor and one was a congressman. And I remember years ago, there was all this talk about, you know, these two are, you know, the future of the... Democratic Party, uh, Obama tapped him to be the the head of HUD. Yep. Um, I I honestly uh, when 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 I do 
hear him speak. I think that um, I'm a little bit underwhelmed, right? Uh, and I think that I think that what he has going for him is that he's um, Latino, um, but. I, I honestly don't. I don't think that he's. I, I, I again. I don't see when when push comes to shove, and, and we're really having this conversation about. All right, let's narrow this field of twenty down. I don't see how he really sticks out. Yeah. Okay. Uh, a couple other names that I have: John Delaney, who's a U.S. rep, maybe former U.S. rep, actually from Maryland. Uh, Tulsi Gabbard from Hawaii. Any thoughts on those two? Um, the first gentleman that you've mentioned, I, I don't know who it is. Yeah, I don't either. Uh, <laughs> Apparently he's running for president, everybody. News. Good luck. <laughs> I watch a lot of cable news, so if, if I don't know... It's not um, good. It's not good. No yeah, bueno. No a, bueno. It's not a good thing. Um, Tulsi G- Gabbard yep. from Hawaii. Um, she, she's got... I, th- I think that, you know, she, she has a certain star power to her. I think that she's a very attractive candidate. Um... She does have some problems with her support for um, some. I think it's a, a death a despot in. Okay. I think it's like Turkey or Syria. She she supports some um, some ruler that that is problematic. Got it. Uh, I can't remember off the top of my head who it is, but but I I think that. Um, she she falls into that into that category of she's one of you know um, Russia's favorite candidates, huh. and I think that that's going to be problematic, especially with you know the news that's going to be coming down the pipeline about Trump. So yeah, for sure. All right, a couple more. Um, Andrew Yang, who's an entrepreneur, are you familiar with him at all? Apparently, he's running. No. Okay. Marianne Williamson, apparently an author. She's running. Never heard of her. Okay, and then this one, I'm going to butcher his last name too, but he's the mayor of South Bend, Indiana. Is it Peter Budigig? Budigig? Peter. I, I, I know who he is. Peter B. Um, <laughs> Peter B. Let's go with Peter B. He's, so, um, sorry, Peter. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's a small-town mayor. Um, very well spoken comes off as very intelligent I guess he's one of the candidates that you know Barack Obama like said he's he's a candidate to watch yep. so I think he has on, on his side he's um, openly gay yep. I believe he's married to, um, yes he is I'm, I'm almost positive as well yeah it's it, and I I think that he's I think that he's an attractive candidate um, because you know he has a, a, a different background, not just because he's openly gay, but also because he's a you know small town mayor in, in, in Indiana. Right. Um, but I I think that I think that if if we were if if we if we want to elect somebody who has you know executive experience um I, I don't think that he would he would be the, the best choice i think that he's gonna come off as a little bit a little bit you know uh, green for the position uh but i i do think that he's somebody to watch down the road just not right now yeah i agree I mean, I, if, 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 similar 
similar with with Beto too, right? Mm-hmm. Beto is is uh, he's the kind of person that gets you, you know, he can get you super excited, and, and he talks the, the way that you want to hear a, pol- a politician deliver a message. He's a rock star, yep. but I think that he he's also going to come off as you know, getting getting people, um, unifying people, uh, you know, Hispanics and and. Uh, you know, Caucasian Americans and getting them like kind of talking and excited together. I think he's really good at that kind of thing. Yep. But when it comes to all right, the next person is going to inherit inherit all of these problems going on in the world. You know, um, you know, trade with China and what's going on with you know Putin hacking our elections and the North Korea guy has has not been contained at all. It's only been worse. Um, they're Iran. They're talking about building a coalition to go to war with Iran right now. Whatever's going on in South America, there, there's there's too much that's going to be going on. But other than that, how's it going? <laughs> yeah, but I'm just saying that there's too much going on, too important yeah. to say. Okay, a guy that can give a good speech, and it's kind of funny hearing me say that because I was such a big Obama supporter, but. But a guy who can give a good speech and get people excited isn't necessarily the person who I would want to be voting for right now. You think Beto will run, though? Officially? I I, I don't... Well, I don't know. I don't, it's I kind don't of his moment, though, to run, unless he's planning on running for, like, governor of Texas or something, because he's got to kind of do something besides give speeches in order to continue to be in the spotlight, Right. I think I don't know. I mean, no, I think you're right. I did hear um, a conversation between him and um, Chuck Schumer about uh, running for a Cornyn seat in 2020 yep. for senator in Texas. Okay. Um, so I think that that would be the wise move. I agree with that. But, but uh, I, I just I I hope he doesn't run right because I do think that I do think down the road. He'd be a very attractive candidate with a little bit more experience. Um, but who knows? Yeah, I agree with that. Um, all right. I think that's everybody that I had that's either running or kind of running that I could find, unless I'm missing anybody that you're thinking of. Um, do you think Bernie runs? And do you think Biden runs? Let's go there real quickly. Oh, good, good call. Yeah, those are important. I, I, I'm on the fence about whether Biden runs. I think he's on the fence. I think it's 50-50. Okay. I... I, I, and one one part of me wants him, wants me to run wants me to I do want him to run because I do think that he is someone who could attract those middle of, of the road voters who are going to be so important, right? Um, but I also don't know if he's going to get the other people energized, the, the people on the left, the ground, the grassroots kind of people. I don't know if he's going to be able to get those that group of folks is energized as sure. you know who I think is the fun right front runner would be Kamala Harris. Sure. Bernie, I don't I, I don't think that, that he is going to run and you know, I, I also have this feeling about Bernie where I don't think that if the if the Russians weren't interfering with things um, with social media, yeah. I don't think Bernie Bernie would have been as as big of a sensation as he was. Oh, okay. That's a and that's a fair take, by the way. Everybody's talking about the Trump campaign in Russia, and I think again, I'll let the I'll let the facts speak for themselves on that. I don't even need to weigh in, but I do agree that the two most polarizing candidates 
were the ones who got the most juice from social media. And we can all now agree that the Russians were throwing shade and juice and money and corruption into social media in massive quantities in 2016. Oh, oh yeah. I mean, I mean, if, if, if Vladimir, Vladimir Putin, you know, he wanted to disrupt our election process. He also hated Hillary Clinton, yep. did not want her to be president. Um, and so if he's doing everything that he can to keep Hillary Clinton from becoming president, and he has this whole group of troll farms who are, are going out and you know spreading all these messages yep. and starting all this trouble, yep. why wouldn't they spend a decent amount of time supporting Bernie? It only makes sense. This is a good point. You know, either as a spoiler or... At least he doesn't get Hillary Clinton. This is a good point. Yeah, I agree with that. Very good point. All right, let me get to this before we go, Marky. Uh, you had a couple of interesting texts to me about potential takes you have for the show here in the filibuster freestyle. The first one was titled, not titled, but you just said, hey, I got a take on global warming's relationship with capitalism. What do you got there? Well, I, I just think that, that we're seeing this fight right now between, like, billionaire um who we didn't talk about that much the starbucks guy was it schultz yeah howard schultz um, he he, he, he can't run don't run howard he schultz can't run. don't he run. Can't run please please do us all a favor um so kind of that fight between him and aoc right yeah and and a- aoc is is the green new deal and he's and he's like the the capitalist um and and i just kind of see this this argument of like you know you, you, you got to get out of the way of capitalism right you have to let the, the market will fix everything you just got to get out of the way of capitalism right and i kind of think of it as like okay these people who support that are like the kids who it's like they, they never gave up on the game of Monopoly, right? They saw that and they were like, oh, this is the way you get as much money as you can and then you die, but you're the winner if you get the most money, right? Right, right, right. And, <laughs> and I think that, that there is this uh, uh, large group of the population who kind of sees things that way. I think that, um, I think it's obvious that the, the one area where capitalism hasn't been good is for the environment. Sure. And you need regulation to kind of tamper that down a little bit. Um, and I think that, you know, for, for everything that capitalism has achieved, if, if the, the damage to the planet is lasting, as lasting as it looks like it's going to be, yeah. was it worth it? Right. I mean, I think, again, one of the issues with no regulation is that at the end of the day, human nature is to run things into the ground. Um, it's why every empire has fallen. It is why, you know what I mean? Like it just is, it, it is what it is. Yep. So the regulation is actually the friend of sustaining our planet as a resource, not only for life, but also for capitalism. Because, right. you know, if, if, yes, it's great if the shipping lanes open in the Arctic because there's no more ice, but it sucks if Miami's underwater. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Really good news for absolutely. Canada. Really crummy news for Miami. You know what I mean? So. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, there's a direct link between that ice melting in Antarctica and it being thirty below, thirty degrees below Fahrenheit or whatever in in Minnesota. Like it's a direct link. 
Right. And it's like, it, it, it's a, it's, if you let yourself think about it too long, it's, it's just a really scary thing. But, it, but yeah, it's, it's, you need, you need some constraints on that, that, um, capitalist ideal in, in order to, to do it in a, in a healthy way. Right. And I do think the big thing that, that people need to, to embrace too, is that, you know, it's climate change and it's extreme weather and we all say global warming because we were brought up to say that. But every time it snows or it's 30 below, people are like, see, global warming. <laughs> but no, it's extreme weather, morons. It's extreme weather. Yeah, they, they just make themselves look just stupider and stupider. I mean, they already look pretty dumb electing Donald Trump, but it's just even worse <laughs> when, they, when they make that kind of argument. It's just, it's just mind-boggling right right it's like the seasons don't exist anymore and they're super extreme and there's a giant hurricane every other week in the summer now so yes you're right it's not unilaterally warmer everywhere but it is unilaterally scarier weather everywhere um last thing speaking of scary speaking of unilaterally just a cluster bomb the governor of virginia governor northam blackface you know, I'm going to let you take it away. You said you got a hot take. You're more qualified than me because you watch a lot more cable news than me. Where, where are you going with this one, Marky? Okay, so so originally, like I was as I, I wouldn't even say outraged. Outraged is the wrong term. Originally, I, I watched it the same way. Like, oh man, that's really bad. This guy is probably going to have trouble leading. Might make sense for him to step, step aside. Right. Sure. That was my original thought. Um, and. Since then, he's he stepped in it a few times also on top of that. So it's like that may not be wrong. But but my one thing of like kind of looking, trying to find the silver lining here is that, um, you know, he lives in a he, – he, he governs a state, the state of Virginia, which still has a lot of racial issues. Yes. And I think if, if he were to take that and say, okay – I'm not stepping down, but for the rest of my turn, I'm going to show you, I'm going to prove to you that I'm not a racist, right? I'm going to do everything that I can, use all my power to, like, change the state of Virginia as much as I can, right? Okay. I'm going to I'm gonna do everything I can to pull down the Confederate uh, monuments that shouldn't be there. You know, any, any place where there's a, a Confederate flag, you know, I'm going to point it out and kind of talk about why that's problematic. Mm. I think if he were to do that, it would be, and one thing, it would it might be some redemption for him. But more importantly, it may give him to the ammunition to actually make some change, right? So what you're saying, okay, yeah, go ahead, sorry. When, 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 I, when I think about that, I think about like, I think Barack Obama was was great for a lot of reasons. And I think that just him becoming president helped minorities a great deal because it's like, look, we can do that as well. Mm -hmm. um, but but the negative for him was like, I don't I don't think he wanted to appear to be the the black president, right? So he wasn't necessarily saying, okay, this is a problem that 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 affects uh, minorities. Let me go out and take this on. I, I don't think he did that as much because for fear of looking like the the black president. I think that a white governor who's had some issues oh, interesting. in the past, I think that he might be able to go in and say, okay, I'm doing this. And he's not worried about being the black governor 
He's worried about, okay, it's my responsibility to try to fix these things because of mistakes that I myself have made. Right. So what you're basically saying is because now that his poor judgment and obviously being compromised as a leader because of these things surfacing is already out there. And because he's stubbornly not stepping down, he may as well just triple down on, hey, I'm not a racist, but instead of me just telling you over and over again that I'm not a racist, I'm actually going to go attack racism. Right. I'm going to prove it to you. Right. I'm going like to I'm gonna literally go down in flames to eradicate racism from the state to prove it to you versus just saying, I'm going to have a listening tour because, again, no one cares. Do something. Right. Oh, if, if I was his advisor, I would say tomorrow you start a campaign to get rid of every Confederate monument in Virginia and and put 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 your actions where your words are. And I think that could that could be very productive. But I will push I'm not not push back on you. But what I would say is this. If he's not willing to do something like that, which is a nice outlandish hot take by you. And I don't think he's the cojones to do. Then my man's got to step down. <laughs> oh, he's got to go. <laughs> oh, if he's just going to try to be like a, a moderate, like governor after this, can't like, do that, no, buddy. No, no, bro. No. Nope. Hey, governor. Unless you're literally going to do what Marky said, step down tomorrow. Step down tonight. You're done. You're done. You're done. You're done. And by the way, for the record, for everybody who says I hate on conservatives all the time, pretty sure this guy's a Democrat. And I'm saying he's done. He's done. He's done. He's done. He's done. That's four duns. I mean, come on. Come on. Anyway. Yeah. Good take by you, man, in terms of what one could do to prove that they aren't racist. And I don't know that he, like I said, has the cojones to do that, nor the wherewithal. And honestly, I think he should just step down. Can't wait till I get a call from the state of Virginia tomorrow. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just saying. All right, brother. That's good stuff. Um, you don't think Hillary's going to run, right? I, I, I don't. I'd be very disappointed if she did. Um, I, you know, I, I thought that she would. Uh, I know that she would have made a much better president than Donald Trump, but I also think that she was a flawed candidate before Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't think that it would take much to exploit that again. I agree. Um, I just think, again, everything I said about Elizabeth Warren just not being able to position herself to talk about the issues in a general election, 1,000% with Hillary Clinton. So, Yeah, and the other thing that Elizabeth Warren, like when she's, when she's on, a, on a stump and she's talking about, um, you know, the, the, the big gap in wealth, right? Yeah. When she's talking about those kind of things, She's passionate. She comes as, as real and fluid and all those things. But when she's trying to act like a normal person, <laughs> she kind of has that Hillary problem as well. Yeah. She doesn't come off that way. And and for whether I mean I don't I don't think that that should be a judge of who we elect to be the next president. Why does it matter if we want to have a beer with the person or not? Right. But at the same time, it's the real world, and it I, that well, is important. But I do think this: if you're the kind of person who most Americans just wouldn't want to have a beer with but you're smart and qualified, just own the fact that you're smart and qualified. True. Yeah, like, that's authentic. The other lane. Like, you can literally be like, hey, guys, I didn't grow up and go to public school. And I don't know if she went to public school or not, but 
I didn't grow up like a regular person. I went to Harvard. Like, I'm a nerd. But guess what? I give a damn about America. I want to lead. And here's why I'm qualified. Instead of, well, on, on Thursdays at 6, I have a Bud Light. No, you don't. And I know you don't well, because the way you say it. Well, <laughs> it's, like, it's like that, you know, who, who the perfect model is for, for the, what, the route that you're taking, yeah. taking is, is uh, Ted Cruz. People hate Ted Cruz, right? <laughs> they, they they see him as like this, like this sniveling, like whatever. But at the same time, like he he presents himself as like you don't you don't gotta like me, <laughs> you don't gotta like me. You just gotta know that I'm gonna go in and get what you want. Right. You know, I'm gonna protect your guns, and so and so. There, there is a way to do that and be a successful politician. Absolutely. Right. And I just think that someone like, like, like that, there's no point in giving the other side or, or even your own side in a primary, the ammunition to say you're not authentic by putting yourself in a position that you literally aren't comfortable in and have never done before. Right. Just stick to what you're good at. And if it's not good enough, so be it. But if you can't win on your strengths, you're not going to win on being somebody you're not. That's a hot take. Boom. Hot take. Hot take alert. All right, man. Hey, stick around for a second. Let's catch up. I enjoyed this. Here's what I hope. I hope the Celtics win the NBA championship. I hope they at least get it together for a nice run. Um, And I hope it's as fun as I think it's going to be this primary season. And I really hope I like whatever Robert Mueller comes up with finally. Oh, can't wait for that. I have one shout out. I got a shout out. Uh, Baby girl Saldana, who will be here any day. Um, oh, so nice. There we go. Nice. I, I can't wait until you have uh, you and Katie have your daughter. We can't wait to find out what her name is, unless baby girl is literally going to be her name, which is totally fine too. And, throwing uh, it around, throwing it around. I'm behind. I'm, I'm behind you either way. But yeah, in, in advance, good luck, man. We are Bye. really excited to meet her when the time comes, and best of luck to your better half on getting the job done. I know she'll do a great job. For sure. All right, brother. Thanks for being on. Thanks, guys.